Museum of the Moving Image welcomes you to the Pinewood Dialogues Online, an archive of conversations with innovative creative figures in film, television, and digital media. Visit Museum of the Moving Image in New York City or online at www.movingimage.us. You'll notice we have no bottled water. We're green up here. <laughs> so I'm very pleased we have a, a great panel with us, and I'm very pleased that um, they're here to join us. So I want to bring out our guests. And um, the first person I'm going to introduce is Marcel Van Oyen, who is the president of the Council on the Environment of New York City. And among the many things that the council does with gardening and farming is they run the green markets, at which... Um, is a great program. There are about 50 green markets throughout the city. So, Marcel. Right here. And another man who runs a small food operation called Stonyfield Farm, um, who has some treats for you for later, but um, that's after the panel. But please welcome Gary Hirschberg. Thanks. Who also drove down here today um, and is going back for you have a six o'clock staff meeting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay, a.m. six a.m. Right? right, right, right. And uh, a woman who is a legendary chef who re- got into local food long before many uh, anybody else, uh, practically. Um, Alice Waters. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. Right next to Gary. Oh, I'm turning on your, <laughs> your, your uh, battery switch. We're going to turn you on. And uh, now the, um, the director who you met before, but please welcome back um, Robert Kenner. <laughs> okay, right here. Thanks. Congratulations. Um, and the movie star and author and producer Eric Schlosser. Well, congratulations on the movie and the great response it's getting. Thank you. So. It, it was very exciting to <laughs> see it here. So. Yeah. Uh, this is such a great, interesting moment for the interest uh, in this subject and, and uh, the interest in changing how we think about food. You know, we see um, our president was just in New York last week, and, and there's all the talk about how he's eating and the farm that he's growing with his wife down in Washington. Uh, so I'm just curious... Um, sort of how you see this, you know, how you feel about this particular moment that we're in. Well, I feel like we've landed at this sort of amazing moment in time because there is so much going on. You know, I think a lot of it started with Alice many years ago, uh, and there are many spokes to this wheel, and I think we're one of uh, one spoke amongst many great things that are happening, and hopefully they'll start to culminate in great changes. Uh, and now Michelle's part of this movement, whether she likes it or not, because she's, <laughs> she's being attacked for not using chemicals in this garden that Alice helped encourage. Uh, and, uh, um, but... Uh, 
traveling around with this film, I just get a sense there's incredible change that's going on and people, uh, whether it's mothers with children, uh, and it's not Democrats or it's not Republicans, it's people who are wanting a different food system. So uh, it's very exciting to be part of that. And how do you, Alice, how do you feel about this? Because you, you know, you, uh, it was the ni- early 1960s, I guess, that you went to France first and were inspired about, about this idea of local food. So, now, you know, how do you see this? Well, this I think it really is a moment in time. I remember when um, Eric's book came out, and I said, at last, you know, at last. Uh, he can be the bad news, and I can be the good news. <laughs> and, and we were really good together. He, I, I, can't, I can't talk about that part. I really, I don't want to talk about that part. I want to talk about bringing people into a new relationship to food. And I think we, it's extraordinary in that at this moment in time, we've seen the government spend huge amounts of money, print money at the mint, and put that money in institutions of one sort or another to, to supposedly benefit all of us. And so I just think the greatest stimulus plan of all would be to take the money and put it into the public schools so that we can educate everybody, children from the time they're in preschool all the way through. And we use the money to pay the real price of food. And so that money for feeding every child at school for free, for free, goes directly into the local, sustainable, you know, supporting businesses, farmers, ranchers, dairymen. And I just can't think of any other way that, that we can deal with this problem, right? We tell people to, you know, vote with their forks and buy the food and go to the farmer's market and support the right people. But the food is too expensive. So the government both has to, you know, subsidize the good food But I think more important than that is putting the money to feed our children real food. And that I don't see any sort of other way to go about doing this. And I'd really love to know if somebody has a better way to address this problem. I really would like to know. I'd like to hear the questions because <laughs> I, I can't. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yes, it may cost X number of billions. But we can't serve a child a real school lunch for the amount of money that's being put to the lunch program. Well, we're even if that we, money anyways. I know, but even if we have a dollar more. There will be so many great benefits if they, you know. If, uh, but the thing about it is, is that everybody is longing to have a quality of their lives. And this film just shocked me once again. I've seen it several times. But every time I see it, and imagine people doing those jobs 
all day long. I, I'm just horrified mm. by it. I couldn't ask anybody to do that. I couldn't take the smell. I was going to say, this is without the smell. Without the smell. <laughs> I, I, I won't forget one of the first um, uh, uh, really shocking experiences I had was going into a prison in San Francisco. I was asked to come there because a woman was growing uh, uh, with the inmates uh, a garden out of this jail. And they wanted to sell us some of the produce from the garden. But I had to go out to the jail to sort of negotiate this. And I didn't want to go. But she said, that's the only way. And I went into some of those cell blocks. And I, I, I just couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand the noise. I couldn't stand the smell. I, I couldn't stand the closeness of people. The, uh, it really was a big shock. And I think that we need to go out into these places, and this film has brought us there in a way. Um, I'm, I hope it's not too vicarious. You know, it's, it's the virtual experience and not the real one, mm. and they can't, we can't make the right kind of decision from it. But, I mean, you know, just even picking a vegetable out at a farm all day long in the hot sun, I'm not a farmer. I'm 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 a I'm a, a cook, and that work is so precious to me. I couldn't run the restaurant I do unless I had those beautiful people producing the food. And I never, you know, I wasn't looking for organic food when I started. I was just looking for taste. I was looking for ripeness, and. And I fell in love with all of this, and that is what activated me. Well, let me ask uh, Marcel and then Gary how you... Go ahead if you want to applaud. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you for allowing me to follow um, her. Yeah. <laughs> but if you, if, uh, well, if you could respond to specifically what she said about uh, not having this just be a vicarious thing, both of you are seeing, are really dealing directly with how people are choosing their food and, and uh, you know, their attitudes towards food, both in the green markets and then what, what you're doing. So why don't you start in terms of how you see people's attitude towards food changing? Oh, how the, the change? Of, yeah. It, it's, yeah. Been, it's been pretty amazing um, in, in the last five years, I guess, um, more than, than ever. Um, the amount of farmers markets that are opened up around the country, the amount of interest in buying local and um, getting to know the person who produced your food. Um, it's, been a, it's been a revolution in many ways. Um, you know, all started with, you know, the wonderful people here and, and, and others who have, who, are, who have pushed the thought about this issue. You know, we, um, I get, I, I, when, I, when I get asked to talk about this, everyone's like, oh, you run Green Market. That's amazing. It's so incredible. And, 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 and I kind of laugh because people have been selling vegetables on the street since the beginning of time. You know, it's, it's not really rocket science. We just forget what we knew so many years ago. And um, that change has been amazing to see people's consciousness, um, uh, thanks to, to great chefs and, and, and thinkers, um, really think about where their food's coming from, who's producing it, how it's produced. Um, you know the animal care issues that go along with that, and um, and it's also created a revolution amongst the farmers as well. Because um, I think the most interesting part of that movie was that you really you really are voting with your fork. 
And, um, you know, not only has, has it changed, starting to change the industrial food system, it's starting to change the local food system as well because the demand for organic has gone up and more farmers are, are switching to that. And, um, in fact, some of our, um, you know, they, they farm beyond organic and they don't even like the label of organic. Um, and, and one of our farmers once told me, I thought it was the most interesting thing that I heard, was that he didn't even like the term organic because that meant that the other term was conventional. And he actually thought that conventional was organic, mm. and that mm. everyone used to farm organically, and that was conventional. <laughs> and then, then the uh, Monsanto came along and decided that they were going to change the terminology on them, and, and they were going to become conventional, yeah. and the other people were going to become bad. Mm. So um, it's quite interesting to see that change in people's uh, thought process, and um, you know, it, it, I just I get to be a, a lucky participant of it. Yeah, poisoning is the alternative. Exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> Here's your choice. Right. Conventional poison or that strange thing known as organic. So, well, I, well, I agree with Alice. I think we're in a moment. And I think this film, is the timing and the, the artfulness of this story is uh, terribly important. And I'm looking out there at the folks who can take what you just experienced and do something with it. And that's, that's, where, that's where I have big hopes for this film because... Um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Barry, the uh, yeah. one of the co-protagonists, founders of the Green Market, and I were hanging out in the early '70s. And I, I always joke that, you know, that we had a wonderful yogurt company back in the early '80s when we started. But the only problem was that we had no supply and no demand. Uh, <laughs> you know, this talking about organics back then was kind of a lonely proposition, but. Um, you know, we've had this incredible explosion. We've been growing as an industry 20% annually now for uh, going on 20 years. It's now, last year, organic sales were around $22 billion. And that's all wonderful. Um, the flip side of it is that organics makes up 2.6% of total food. So to put it in simple terms, we're a rounding error. Uh, we're at the starting line. We're at the beginning. But for the first time in modern history, we've got an administration who understands what Robbie and Eric and Michael and everyone were talking about here. And, and we've got a USDA chief. In fact, the deputy chief of the USDA was the author of, um, of the organic regs. And uh, we've got a consumer out there who understands that uh, uh, we are what we eat. And so we've got this incredible confluence. I, I was, Robbie and I were talking at dinner, and I mentioned to him that two weeks ago, uh, the FDA reported that the percentage of Americans who are obese exceeded the percentage who are overweight for the first time in our history. Mm. The two together add up to 64%. Mm. And so, uh, you know, what I was, my quip to Alice was, you know, we, we're, we're spending those billions anyways. We're spending them on the wrong end of the problem. You know, 78% of illness is, is, is related to how we eat and is avoidable and preventable. And so the hope that I place in this film, and I think it's well-placed because I think it's an, an amazing piece of work, Robbie, uh, is that uh, we will all make a different choice when we go out tonight, tomorrow, and the next day. And uh, Because uh, what I've learned in 26 years in the food business is it's all uh, one spoonful, one cup, one lid, you know, one cow at a time. It's, it's one bite at a time. That's, that's how we change the system. The final quote was the, 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 was the perfect summation of the whole thing. 
the farmers and Walmart and everybody else will, will provide what we're asking for. We're the ones who are in charge. And so I hope that this is empowering for all of you and, and I hope for the millions who you will help to, uh, to see this thing. And Eric, you did, Fast Food Nation came out in 2001, and you did end the book on a, uh, with a note of optimism, but uh, at the time, that optimism, we weren't in this moment that we're in now, so I'm just wondering how you see uh, you know, your perspective on sort of what's going on now, now that it's about eight years after the book came out. Yeah, I, I'm very optimistic, and I mean, when the book came out, and, and it first appeared in Rolling Stone in, in 1998, um, you know, when, when the book came out, uh, the Bush administration was in power. So there was no way that there was going to be any sort of legislative change. And a lot of the things that I wrote about, like food safety and worker safety, actually got much worse uh, in the years that Bush was in power. But this consciousness has been growing uh, for a decade now. And you know, people uh, are coming around to what Alice has been saying and thinking for many years. And uh, I'm hugely encouraged that there is now a national debate and a national discussion on issues that seemed really to be on the margin, that issues that were being denied or pushed aside. So I, I'm really, really optimistic. And, and again, uh, I can't speak highly enough of Robbie's film. Uh, I want to make clear that it is Robbie's film, if there's anyone from Monsanto here. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, I think. Actually, what's There's the line? We, in the we, yeah. we hang together or we hang separately. Yeah. Um, but, but what I, but I really, what I hope that audiences take from it. What, I'm behind you all the way. What, what, what I hope that audiences will take from it that I think is a really important message. Um, the question I think this film poses for anyone who sees it isn't just, you know, how are you going to eat or what are you going to eat. But, you know, what's happened to this country? And what are you going to do about this country? This, food, th- this film happens to be about uh, food, but it could be about many other sectors of our economy where we're seeing the same thing happen. And, you know, uh, when Gary's talking about the power of consumers, these companies are fully aware of the power of consumers, and that's why they're doing everything possible uh, to deny access to the truth. And the reality is... Uh, as, as Robbie said, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. Um, you don't want to eat contaminated meat. Uh, you don't want agricultural practices that are going to harm your children. And it's only through the corruption of our political system that these vested interests have been able to create and sustain a system that's doing so much harm, and even worse than that, is being sustained by subsidies uh, that the taxpayers are providing. So Alice's, Alice's, uh, you know, I'm sure that there are people who would hear Alice's plan of investing heavily in public schools and making sure that every American child gets a free, healthy meal would think of that as being socialism. But the fact that American corn farmers for years have derived half or more of their annual income directly from federal subsidies and, pac- and taxpayers, and these are some of the most politically conservative states that we have, like Indiana. You know, no one, no one pays attention to that form of corporate socialism. So, you know, I think ultimately, <laughs> I think these are very conservative ideas. You know, taking care of kids and making sure they get healthy food. 
Well, of course, and you've written about the idea that we're saving on health care. I mean, all the, your idea would save so much money on health care. For me, you know, I've read about the high cost of low-cost food, but being with that family in Baldwin Park and seeing the fact that they're spending, I think in the film they say it's about 200 or 250 but that's for two weeks. It's about $500 a month that they're spending on medicine for diabetes. And, uh, and now the, the younger daughter is sort of looks like she's going to be getting diabetes. So here's a family who can't really afford, or people say, what are we going to do to feed the world? They can't afford this healthy food. You're an elitist. But meanwhile, we're subsidizing food that's making this family sick and they're paying $500 a month for medicine, and it soon could go up from there. So something is wrong with the system. I want to ask you about something that Eric brought up, this idea about access, because that's what investigative reporters deal with, but documentary filmmakers. And to make a film where you're, you know, it's basically you, uh, you know, with these, you know, dealing with getting access and these big corporations. Could you talk about that in relation to this film? I'm sure that was part of why it took six years to... Well, it took a lot longer than any other film has taken. And, um, you know, for me, it was... I actually thought I was going to be making a film about, you know, talking to all the producers of our food. Uh, And (laughs) from Gary Hirschberg and Joel Saladin to uh, the large corporations. And it was just extraordinary. I mean, we spoke with multiple... I mean, way more than you see in the film. Uh probably about 50 corporations that we were talking to and they just didn't want us to look in their kitchens and they didn't want to go on camera uh, to talk about what they do. And I, I guess for me, the most shocking moment was going with Eric to Sacramento to a, uh, a hearing about cloned animals, uh, whether to label cloned meat. Uh, I didn't even know there was cloned meat. Uh, and uh, it's not whether this meat was good for you or bad for you. It's whether we should have the right to know about it. And the fact that when that meat representative said, uh, you know, I think it would be too confusing for the consumer to have this information. To me, that was a terrifying moment, uh, that something is wrong and that this is not a film about food. It's really about our rights, and except that we have to eat this stuff. Uh, you know, and it there's just felt like something was really wrong, and it happens time and time again, whether it's cloned meat or it's GMOs or whether it's trans fats, and that we were being denied these rights, and it just felt wrong. So I don't think these corporations want us to be thinking about food. Uh, I think it's, for their point of view, it's a violation. And the less we think about it, the more they can get away with what they're doing. Well, Gary, as a representative of big business here, why don't you talk about how you deal with some of these, you know, how you think about some of these issues. No, Rob is absolutely right. Uh, You know, we fought the synthetic growth hormone battle uh, and lost, by the way, uh, in the short run, at least, in in the early 90s, just in case folks don't know, Monsanto um, uh, persuaded our government, which isn't so hard. Now no, I'm going to move away from you. Uh, <laughs> uh, to see uh, that, that, that we should uh, allow farmers to inject cows with a synthetic growth hormone, which, will, which does increase their milk production by 20%. Obviously, there's no free lunch out there in nature, and so that 20% comes with a cost, and it's 
pretty well understood now. But at the time, uh, innocent until proven guilty, uh, the, the, there had been studies funded by Monsanto that said this is safe and, <laughs> and so on and so forth. And, so, and, it, and it was a charade. And I sat at these same hearings that Eric was at and just watched this complete whitewashing. And so we actually knew that we were going to lose that battle. But what we then fought for was labeling the ability to give the consumer the right to know whether the, the, the milk or the milk in the yogurt was from cows injected or not. And I couldn't believe it. I could not believe the effort to stop labeling was double what the effort was to get the drug uh, allowed because that was the last thing they wanted. Because, I mean, I have yet to meet the consumer who says, no, no, I'll take the yogurt with the synthetic growth hormones, please. You know, <laughs> Give me the lettuce with a double dose of pesticides. I mean, I haven't met that person yet. And, and that's exa- they know that. They know that disclosure is, is exposure, and exposure goes to their bottom line. And, um, you know, let me just uh, tell you what, what I, what I, I, th- I think this film goes at so many different aspects of our society, and I agree with Eric. This could be about waste treatment or energy or, I mean, all of our relationships to the planet. But, here, but here's the fundamental thing that I think is exposed by this film. The typical approach to consumer products, which Alice has long railed against, is to make foods, to process foods, as cheaply as possible. And there's nothing in my, in my you know, think of Coke and Pepsi, there's nothing cheaper than sugar, water, and corn syrup solids, and, and CO2, which you get from the atmosphere. Uh, and uh, then what they do is they take the big fat margin that's left from these really cheap products and use it to blast us with messages. That's modern advertising. And so they blast us to make us aware, to have trial, to have repeat trial. And eventually, you know, any of you who've been in marketing know this, purchase and hopefully eventually loyalty all the way down the line. And, um, the, and what happens in the organic business is we actually have this radical idea that if it's going to be in a package for consumption, it should be food. And it's a, it's a little out there, but, you know, no red dye number 40, no gelatins, no modified starches, none of these cheap additives, which, which do their job, but which are obviously uh, have, have other consequences. And so the organic business is sort of like the tortoise against the hare. We have to move slowly. We can't, our money goes to the farmers. I have 1,400 organic dairy farmers who earn right now three times what conventional farmers are earning. And so we can't spend the money on advertising. But what happens is when you do the right thing, you wind up getting loyalty. You get passion without having to go through that whole advertising thing. And the way, the reason I know that is, I'll just tell you this quick anecdote. I was in Florida about a year and a half ago holding a competitor's cup at the shelf and, this, and I was reading the label and I could, still can't pronounce an ingredient that's on it. And a, a little old lady came up to me and tugged me in the elbow and said, young man, someone your age should be eating the stony field. <laughs> it, was, it was this religious experience. It was great. <laughs> And I said, well, why? And she said, well, do you know that they pay farmers not to use synthetic growth hormone? They give 10% of their profits to environmental causes, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, how do you know this stuff? And she said, well, my, my husband died of uh, colon cancer, and, and uh, the girls and I, her bridge club she was referring to, want to stick around for our grandchildren. And so we go to the websites of companies to find out what is in the food. We read labels. And there she was, you know, I hired her on the spot, by the way. But, but you know, there she was. And, and, and she was doing what exactly this film is about. She, she was empowered. And these companies fear that. They fear that kind of power. Because that power, once we, information and knowledge is power. But more importantly, purchasing is power. And really, when you do run an item past the skin or you're voting, and they fear 
that that knowledge will translate into votes going the other way. And that's, that's by the way, you know, these guys have done an amazing job here, but that's now our responsibility. It's our opportunity, it's our responsibility to take this knowledge and, first of all, get people to see the film, and then secondly, get people to start purchasing small steps. And we'll shift them very quickly because they're going to go where the dollars are. There is a perception. Yeah. That, oh, go ahead, Alice. No, I was just going to say that, that that's the reason I think that we need to have the buyer be the government, is the buyer, the stimulating that, that, that whole buying to happen. We can't, I mean, I think the, it's the advertisement and the indoctrination that's happened that we haven't had any equal time. And the only way we can touch every single person in this country is through the public school system. So we want another, we don't even want an indoctrination or an advertisement. Those are things that are, for me, uh, that are made up to get you to buy something that may not be good enough. Uh, uh, things that are good enough don't need to be advertised. We, you know, if the food is good enough at Japanese, we don't have to. It's just word of mouth, mm-hmm. and and so we have to, I think, uh, really bring children into this whole delicious other way of thinking about their lives, and a set of values comes with that. And you get connected with the land, and you become a steward of the land because you want to be in nature. You feels good to you, and you want to be cooking your food because it's empowering. And you want to sit at your table with your friends and have this. I don't want to tell some kid what to eat. That this is good for you. This is not, because we'll never be able to compete. With what's out there, so we have to, we have to really have. I hope the president of this country do what Kennedy did back <laughs> when around physical education to say we need this in the schools. We have to teach our children about food and about care of the land. So it's like it's 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 just very very different. From anything else, I mean, it's just not like manufacturing. I would loved it when Bill Clinton said last November, I think it was. He said, "I, I just didn't know. I mean, food isn't a commodity. <laughs> you know, it's like a revelation. I mean, it's not like a television set. I thought it was, but it's not. It is something precious. It's about our life." By the way, uh, locally, just a kind of a positive note here. Uh, I, I sit on the board of Honest Tea. It's an organic uh, iced tea company. And they are bidding this week. Um, the New York City school system has opened a bid because they're, they're booting sodas out of the school mm-hmm. system. And they're requiring, and, and aspartame, by the mm-hmm. way. They're not allowing, uh, and they're requiring, uh, their, their, uh, their bid calls for 25-calorie beverages that have nutrition, that are nutritious. So, I mean, this, what Alice has been talking about is happening right, right here, right under your, uh, right under us. And so, you know, if, if New York City, and, but that's a pretty big buy. And that, believe me, that changes the nature of the supply chain. It's 800,000 800, students. Yeah, as soon as you get that kind of purchase, and, and, and should an organic or even just a natural 
company get that bid, all of a sudden there's a bunch of farmers now who have a customer. But who's going to eat those downer cattle that are going to the National School Lunch Program? <laughs> yeah, right. So. But it, it yeah. also means that, that it's only the kids who just know about this that want to buy it. Yeah. So you have to... Uh, I, 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 that's where the big problem lies, is that the, the kids that can't afford it and haven't been educated... Uh, are the ones in the greatest need, are the ones who are going to get the diabetes. And so this has to come with a whole education program. And, and, and it's a beautiful uh, gift to the parents to know that their children are going to get something good at lunch. That was the very poignant part of the film, mm-hmm. was when you saw those two kids in the back of the car eating the hamburgers, and she knew. This wasn't good for them. But they just figured that out. But that's, but that's a beautiful thing, that you can send your kids to school yeah. and know that they're going to get a really good breakfast, a lunch, and an afternoon snack, and it's all paid for. It's free, and they get to have it. And there's a criteria for the buy. Now, that could be some difficult thing, <laughs> is getting that criteria uh, uh, sort of, you know, really in cement well, and well, understand Eric, what, it, you what it really means. Did a book chew on this, which was uh, took some of the ideas of fast food nation, and and that book was really for children. So, could you talk about your experience in in uh, you know the with the response to that book? Yeah, you know, my experience really is that that these food choices are part of the culturation of a, of a child. And I mean, Alice is entirely correct that the real hope of the future is changing the eating habits and, and the awareness of food very, very young. Uh, the fast food companies know that, and that's why they market even to pre-verbal children. Uh, you know, Burger King has done uh, uh, ads through with Teletubbies that are aimed at children you know, too young to speak. They made chicken nuggets in the shape of Teletubbies. Right. So these companies know this information as well and yeah. are targeting children. And I completely, well, also the movie I, companies do the, the tie-ins with the do toys. Do the tie-ins, the toys, and the games, and the pop stars. And, and so Alice really is correct that the, that the school system is the place to really begin uh, this process. But you know, it's, it's an awareness that hopefully this film will help bring and and certainly I have faith in the current occupant of uh, the White House and his commitment to this issue but there needs to be a movement that gives the support so the change can happen because the vested interests are so powerful you know against it that there really needs to be some sort of mass movement and again if I just think of the last 10 years in which I've been thinking about these issues at all um, there's been a huge change, but we now need to bring this awareness from the upper middle class and the well-educated throughout society, but, but also access to this food. Well, one perception that, that people, a lot of people seem to have is that good food goes, uh, is more of an upscale activity. And I, w- I wonder if you could talk about that, because you're, you're uh, dealing with green markets all around the city and seeing new uh, types of people yeah, interested I, in this in well, not, not, just, local food. Not, not just interested, I think that there are uh, people who um, come from around the world who have a culture of eating better than we actually do in the United States of America, where we have little or no culture of food anymore. Um, 
And in, in people think of green market because of Union Square, because it's our, our most well-known market, but we have 50 markets all over the city. And some of our most vibrant markets are in the, you know, what we call the outer boroughs, um, up in the Bronx, Poe Park, or out in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, those markets are, are doing fantastic and um, continue to grow. But um, the perception that the food there costs more is wrong in many ways because every time we do price comparisons of what's in the grocery stores or the, the city does, it, it, our, our produce matches up, local, healthy, fresh produce matches up either at the same price or cheaper. Um, and the quality's better. You can get more nutrition, nutritional value out of it. It's going to last longer. There's going to be less spoilage. Our, if you buy a chicken from a green market, it hasn't been injected with saline water so that it, when you cook it, it shrinks down from the size that it, you originally bought it at. Um, it's actually going to be the chicken you bought. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's a misperception. But, to, but, but the thing is that uh, the, the bigger problem is the subsidies that happen on the larger scale. The fact that corn chips cost more than, or corn chips are cheaper than corn for some reason, um, and that's only because people, somebody, sub, the federal government, subsidizing that corn. Um, but there are ways to to combat that: the food stamp program, the um, the WIC and uh, senior certificates that the the federal government and state give out at farmers markets. But the purchase power there is very low. Um, you know, the average person who gets food stamps doesn't get a lot of money to live off of that. Um, that family um, probably could qualify for food stamps, but it wouldn't take them very far. So one of the things that the city's done that I thought is probably the most innovative is they've created a health buck, which is a $2 coupon that you can use at a farmer's market. And when they, when they first came to us and told us about this program, we thought it was great, but we said we need to actually match it up to the people who need it most. So we combined it with our food stamp program in the farmer's market. And we now have, I think, probably the largest food stamp program in the farmer's market program in the, in the country. Our sales were um, over about $150,000 last year and, and, and have increased, tripled each year. Um, and so now if you use your EBT card, your food stamp at the farmer's market, you can match that health buck with it. So if you spend $5, your purchasing power is now $7. So um, we've been able to, and then the this, this, this city doubled that. Now when we talk about change that has to be national, having a, a national farmer food stamp program I think is is probably going to really change what happens, which is that you get extra money to buy fresh local produce. And you get less money, you get extra money to buy that, you get less money to buy potato chips. So if you're buying potatoes, your money's going to be $7. If you're buying potato chips, it's going to be $3. Now, a lot of hunger advocates don't it's like fantastic. that idea. They think it's, they think it's, uh, it's you know, discriminatory and that we shouldn't be telling people how to eat. But we also have a health you know, epidemic in our country with obesity and diabetes, and, and those, those are not going away. And those costs come back at the end of the cycle. So take the subsidies away from the corn farmers, put them to food stamps, put them in the schools, like, like Alice was talking about, and you can really change the food system. Well, you know, we just have a few minutes left, and I want to make sure to, to give you a chance to just talk a little bit about um, some of the filmmaking choices. I mean, I think you, the, this is a tough subject, and it's just, um, you made a movie that is not, a, you know, very informative. There's great reporting in it, but it's also entertaining, it's a, and it's a very engaging piece of filmmaking. Um, and I just wonder if you could talk about some of your thinking behind how you put the movie together. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't want to make a film for the converted. Uh, I think that we have luck, you know, we could cheer each other on, but the real challenge is trying to change people. Uh, so I thought 
if there was a way of trying to take on a very difficult subject and still allow people to smile in minimal places. But uh, So the opening credits to allow people to know that you can laugh occasionally and the seeing Eric eat a hamburger uh, just saying that, you know, we don't have to be perfect. If we can improve one or two, not to imply, <laughs> but if we can improve one or two meals, you know, one meal a day, we're going to start to change things. Uh, I've seen him eat a yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> he likes those burgers. I want to just say one one thing about Robbie, which is that we first met to talk about this film in the spring of 2002. So he's had a long time to think about these choices, and Participant Productions got involved, I think it was in the spring of 2005, or fall of 2005. So a lot of time and energy went into this film. He shot an incredible amount of footage, and I saw all the, these different rough cuts, and the choices that were made were very, very difficult, and yet I think he came out with something that's complex and yet open and intelligible, you know, to the to the audience. I know Gary has a 6:30 a.m. staff meeting in New Hampshire, so I think we're going to wrap it up. But I do want to do. Um, Thank you, because you're providing non, a new non-fat Greek yogurt <laughs> to the audience. So um, it's like the Oprah show. Um, so thanks for that. And, and thanks for everybody. And good luck with the movie. And congratulations. Nice. Thank you. We open June 12th. Okay. <laughs>